Welcome to Collector's Corner, the premier digital art platform. We help collectors gain and maintain their edge, all while appreciating beautiful art. Let's jump in. Hello, Collector's Corner friends. Just a quick intro to this episode. We originally recorded it about a month ago. It's now Friday, August 18th. Quasi-Dragon Studies is coming out next Tuesday, August 22nd. A few details have changed in the project, so jump to just me, where I'm going to show you some of the nuances for how the project works. And the reason for this is that we updated some of the info, or the team updated some of the info on how the project works. So We'll be going through some of the mechanics, which are really awesome. I think you'll really enjoy this, and you'll enjoy the broader conversation with Harvey on his some of his background and why he chose uh, to create this project in the way that he did. All right, thanks. Hope you enjoy it. Please check out the Mint. It'll be open for three weeks starting August 22nd. And uh, I guess I'll just sit up front. There are going to be 50 black dragons and five white dragons. Uh, so that'll be explained a little bit later. What are those? Uh, but the, the numbers of those have changed. So those are the major updates. Three-week Mint and 50 black dragons, 50 white dragons. All right. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks again for tuning in. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Collector's Corner, being recorded on a different program, as you'll probably realize if you're watching by video, which you should, because we're going to be showing off some awesome art. My name is P. You may know me online as Astem, and I'm joined by the fantastic generative artist Harvey Rayner, who used to go by Pattern.co, but you've now rebranded to your real name, which I love. How are you doing today, Harvey? Very well, Pete. Good to see you, and uh, thanks for having me on. Likewise, always a pleasure to, to chat with you, and especially when we're talking about some beautiful art that uh, you are on the cusp of releasing. So in this episode, we're calling this another Creator's Corner. Um, we are going to chat a little bit about Harvey's uh, journey as an artist and uh, talk through a couple works that he has is releasing, uh, one that's actually coming out or is, is currently out right now. So we'll briefly touch on that at the end, which is a Cove Height. Uh, but then what we're really gonna focus on is Quasi Dragon Studies, which is Harvey's release coming up here, end of July, early August. Uh, but there is an exhibition for that as well with the, uh, the folks over at Verse. They have an in real life gallery. Um, they do an amazing job of mixing up the web three in the traditional art but they have their in real life gallery in south Ken kensington excuse me uh london which uh, starts on the 25th of july and it extends until the 30th of july but the opening event there is on tuesday the 25th really creative really interesting so I, you know, really, really excited to have this conversation. And I want to thank the Quasi Dragon Studies team for sponsoring this episode. And uh, so much for us to talk through, so much for us to see. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll stop yapping so we can uh, really dive into it. But folks, this is one of the coolest projects out there. Extremely unique what you're doing here. We're going to touch on it, but, you know, we're going to, I want to chat a little bit about your artistic journey and talk about some of the background behind Quasi Dragon Studies, a, a, a project that 25 years in the making, really, um, which is super exciting to see. Uh, and also so innovative in the way that you are really, we we're talking about this before we start recording, how, you, how you're creating a 
almost like a, a design language or generative art language uh, with quasi dragon studies, which is a cool concept that could be really collaborative and, and could have, um, it, you know, from what I can tell is a first uh, of its kind uh, and might potentially start a trend. So I'm super excited to chat through all of that with you. And uh, I'll, uh, sorry for the awkward pause there. And maybe we'll just, let's just dive right in since there's a lot to cover and, and, and not a ton of time. Um, I thought, you know, we did one interview with you before in Fontana. And I, I know we touched a little bit on your background, but I'd love if we could just rehash a little bit about you, Harvey Rayner, the artist, and sort of when your artistic career started. Uh, I, I know you've you've been formally trained in the arts, but maybe we could go a little bit back. Like when, when did you first get into art and uh, maybe you could touch on your art training? Okay. Um, well, I, it's more of a question of when I, you know, I, I never really didn't make art, you know, I, my earliest memories are actually, you know, painting even when I was two, you know, nothing, just scribbles, but I can, that were the things that kind of lodged in my mind. So it's something that I've always done. It was what I did when I got home from school. You know, either that or play with Lego. That's what I thought about when I was at school, you know, to the to the cost of my schoolwork. <laughs> but it's, it's just like, it's something that I cannot not do, you know. So, um, yeah, and I went to art school. Um, you know, I think when I was about 18, I decided, okay, I want to be an artist. I was pretty good at, like, technology and math and stuff, but I, I loved the idea that there just seemed like no constraints with art. You know, and not so much formal training, which I didn't really like. So um, I did get art school really as a way just to, I don't know, because I didn't have a job and I wanted to make art all the time. So, but after a year, I actually quit, although I had a full scholarship uh, to a good art school because I started making work from geometry and math and it just didn't seem like the right place to do that. So, um, and then, you know, um, I just, uh, I didn't use a computer for a long time. I, I, I developed my work with a compass and rule. I kind of developed this kind of uh, system of geometric meter, I call it, which was kind of like a way of, I, I see it as like an equivalent of, of how, uh, like the formal structures in music kind of like arrange the abstract world of sound into into sort of like you know something coherent and expressive and i was trying to find something equivalent with geometry so you know the the things i was making back then you know 25 years ago though there was no sort of arbitrary marks on in the compositions everything was part of this geometric system there were scales and kind of tempo that type of thing so and and you know having worked with that for say 10 10 years just with monochrome just so i could explore composition no textures no color very sort of strict. I, I I sort of like took a little, um, I would say kind of pivoted in a way. I, I kind of, I felt like I'd, I'd explored that idea as thoroughly as I could. And the thing that I kind of morphed into became actually the basis of this project. So I, I started to look at a different set of geometry. And the first thing I produced, I think was about 15 years ago, which relates to this, like became the motif to quasi dragon studies. Was, um, was kind of like the first kind of new iteration in this kind of like this 
this idea of using geometry to structure compositions. Yeah, that's that's super fascinating. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious, during this time when you're creating all of this art, uh, what was going on in your your day job, so to speak? You know, were, were you an artist full time or what else were you doing? And it, how did you find time to get artwork in? Right. So, yeah, I've always done a lot of things to, to earn a living. I mean, up until I got involved with NFTs, I, I, I could never find a way to sell what I did because, you know, I would take it to galleries. I, I had had a couple of exhibitions and sold a couple of little things, but like, it was so hard that I would take the work and galleries would often say, well, we, what is this? You know, you'd think they'd be like really open to, but they would often maybe think, well, this is graphic design. They wouldn't really recognize it as art per se, right? Which is a good sign, right? If you if you're trying to do something new, you don't want it to be recognized as art. So, but the, the cost is that nobody wants to sell it, so they don't want to take that risk. So, I so what I did was, you know, I worked part time, and we lived very frugally. I've always been, you know, me and my wife have been very resourceful. So, you know, I've always fixed my own cars, you know, done my own work on the houses and stuff, and and, and we just we just didn't spend a lot of money, although we had a couple of kids. So I worked as, um, I think I worked, uh, I done night shifts in the postal office for a while when, when my, my wife was pregnant and then I drove taxis <laughs> to airports. But usually I'd, I'd do it for like a few months, save some money and then I'd quit because I thought I just have to, you know, I'm just wasting my life there. And, and so it's always beyond the age of poverty. <laughs> And then I started teaching rock climbing. I was always been a team, uh, keen rock climber. I did that because you know it was a way I could stay fit and earn some money. And then I, for like eight years, I I cleaned cooling towers, and I I worked on like r repaired cooling towers, um, which was a great job because I'd only it was kind of horrible, sort of dangerous work. I got paid really well for it, but I'd only have to do it for like five days a, a month so i just do that thing you know it'd be exhausted and it's just cold and wet and dangerous but then but then i had the rest of the month to work on my art so um and then you know later on we we actually built a, a business called moon league which makes meditation cushions and that kind of like enabled me to spend a lot more time doing art you know didn't you yeah so that's amazing man i mean it's amazing that You've been dedicated for so many years to the craft. And there was an interesting tweet recently. Uh, so dating it right now, it's the July 12th, Wednesday. But there was a tweet from Dmitry Cherniak who was talking about, you know, we're really early in the Web3 generative art world, about two and a half years in. And he was just talking about how a lot of these early works are actually really good because the artists were working on these for years and years and didn't have anywhere to really release them. And so there's this idea that, well, you know, some of the newer works in our world, are they overhyped? Are we putting too much emphasis on the fact that they were the early works? And Dimitri's counter argument is like, well, you know, these these had a lot of time put into them because there was nowhere else to release them. And I think your experiences here of working on this art for so long, quasi dragon studies, you know, 15 to 25 years, depending on, on how you're thinking about it. Uh, th this is not something that just came out between your last project and now, which is in the order of months. This is in the order of, of years or decades. And uh, I think it's a testament to the fact that you stuck with it. The fact that you, 
sacrificed in other elements of your life so that you could actually create this art and keep creating it. So I wanted to touch on that. Um, I, I knew a little bit of the backstory. I didn't know all the details. Uh, and it's just like amazing that you did that. And so happy for you that it's coming to fruition now where you can really do this full time and bring something awesome to the rest of us who, who love your work. So uh, I, I just wanted to applaud that. And talk about quasi dragon studies. What what was it that kind of attracted you to this idea of creating a a system? I mean, it, it almost is as if like you, you're creating a meta system, right? Like generative art is a system in by itself, right? You have a system within the algorithm that creates the outputs, uh, but you at a meta level are creating a system where the outputs can combine with each other. But it sounds like that idea fascinated you from really an early, it sounds like maybe even before art school, but, but certainly going back to those early days of creating this geometric art, what, what was it that you were trying to explore with that concept? Yeah, I've, yeah, like you say, I've been doing this for as long in my, my whole adult life as an artist. I've always built kind of like simple building blocks and then over a period of say, sort of compositional building blocks and then over a period of years, I found different ways to like, to bring them together which means that you have to like invent a new grant visual grammar. You can't just plonk things together and expect them to work necessarily. And so you have to find a new kind of glue. <laughs> and, and, um, so, so I've, I've always done that. And, and like, if you look at the complexity of the work I've produced over the years, it started, it, you know, it's kind of like a, like an exponential curve. So the first three or four years, the stuff was very simple and it, you know, it's like my single cellular life forms. <laughs> And then, you know, then I would take these steps where the complexity would double when I found a new way to join things. And then, you know, but it grew exponentially, which is why I go into using a computer because I could no longer do it all by hand. And, you know, it was just too difficult. So, um, so it's just something I've done for a long time. Why do I like it? Uh, I don't know. It's this, I think, you know, partly is, it seems relevant, you know, it's like, it's like Moore's law, you know, if you see the, the, the expansion of, you know, complexity and computing and stuff, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm picking up on that, so to speak. Uh, but I, I, I don't know, it's no other way for me to work. I don't think it's just, I, what, what happens, I'll make a couple of artworks and they'll be sitting on my screen on my desktop background for a while. And, I, and some of them will just look really good together. They'll complement each other. And I think, well, how can I actually make this into a single piece? How is it, what's, what's, what, what is, is it that excites me here? And, you know, um, it's, it's always a very difficult process because it's not just about, like I say, just plumping things together. You, you've got to, you know, more is not always more, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, there's always trade-offs. So it's more about trying to create something new with those two original components, which, you know, the sum total is bigger than some of the parts, so to speak, you know? Um, yeah. Absolutely. And it, it almost is like a, an engineering mindset where you are thinking about the individual units and how they could fit together. Whereas uh, folks maybe without the engineering mindset, don't think of it that way. They just think of the individual units as separate. And uh, I feel like what you're doing with quasi dragon studies is actually very much leaning into the medium, right? With NFTs, it, I mean, Forget about NFTs. If we didn't have these as digital art, then it would be 
you know, basically you'd have to glue together two physical pieces to create something new. And obviously like th that wouldn't work very well or very easily now with NFTs and we'll, we'll, uh, actually transition into the mechanics here in a second, but you can really unlock different experiences. You can have two composites or four composites or six composites come together and mint a whole new NFT, which is now the record of a, a new piece of work being created. And I think it's actually just perfect for the medium. We've been talking a lot, uh, actually recently on Twitter, um, for the, the folks who are still around listening, we've been talking a lot about how, like what artworks actually lean into the medium and are not just a copy and paste of what's been done in the, the traditional world. And I think what you've done here is, is brilliant in that most of the artwork that is leaning into the medium does it in a way such that, oh, like the image changes all the time, or we take some outside information, an oracle, and we say, like, if it's a hot day, the, the image is going to look warmer. If it's a cold day, it's going to look colder, whatever. And that certainly taps into the medium of the internet. Uh, but tapping into the medium in a different way is, is what Quasi Dragons Studies is doing in terms of creating these composites. It's not that the images themselves are changing based on external data, um, or, I mean, I suppose they are, but the way that they're coming together changes. So it's really cool. Uh, and I think we should actually just go ahead and dive into the details so so okay. I don't uh, belabor it. Um, let's... Let's start with some of the, so, so really a big goal for everyone listening here is to explain the brilliance behind this collection. Let me first share really quickly my screen here, Harvey, so uh, folks can see what some of the artwork looks like. Uh, so up here is the verse page. And again, we'll have this in the show notes. This is the verse page that is uh, showcasing the artwork itself. Uh, and I want folks to know, okay, like we're going to talk about the composites and how you can create larger pieces, but even uh, individually, so this here on the right is one of the tiles. Uh, these are really beautiful artworks in and of themselves. And I know that this is something that you had really emphasized, right? Like you wanted every individual piece to be beautiful, even if it's just the $100 piece, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, that's important. I don't... Yeah, so the tiles shouldn't be thought of as being less than the composites artistically, you know. Um, you know, I wouldn't release it if I wasn't 100% happy with each tile. And you can, you don't have to convert, you don't have to join tiles together. If you just, you get a tile and you're happy with it, you can, you can, you can turn that into it. You can, we call it convert. You can convert it into an NFT just as it is without adding anything to it. So. Excellent. And when you convert it into an NFT, what changes? Well, it, it becomes a, a fully baked NFT, which you can you know buy and sell anywhere on 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 the web. So, um, but until that point, they live in the in the first ecosystem, so they can be traded without gas. So, so that was that was why we decided to do it that way because it's important, you know, for for, for things like the black dragons to be made, people are going to have to trade on the secondary and cooperate. And we want to make that process as easy as possible. It's royalty free, and you know, it's just, it's just, you know, you could just potentially just swap them with people. So, got it, got it. And and we will we will get to the black dragons. Uh, but if I trade my tile, um, and or sorry, if I if I lock in my tile and turn it into an NFT, can it be used for a composite, or at that point, it can no longer be utilized for any composite? Right. So once yeah, once you convert it, that's it. It can't be 
composites can't be composited together or, or a single tile can't be. If it's turned into an NFT, if it's converted, then it's... So, what, so the other mechanic is when you, if you convert two tiles together to make a composite, those two tiles, are, 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 they can effectively burned, although they, they're not fully fledged NFTs, but it's used that language, they're burned. And then so the supply actually shrinks as composites are made. Perfect. Perfect. So I'll, uh, I'll recap that for everybody listening. So I'm going to go on the verse site. I'm going to buy a tile and let's say I buy two tiles and those two, two tiles can be joined and we'll get into the joining rules here in a second. Now I have a choice. I can mint each of those tiles as a standalone NFT and then, you know, transfer them to my block, my own wallet, buy and sell them open on open whatever. Um, or I could join them together, create a composite and up here on the screen on the right, here's an example of a composite. Um, not, oh, sorry. That's a no, tile. That's a tile. A, if you go down below, there's a, I think there's a composite that, that would be a composite. Yeah. yeah. Here, here's a, here's an example of uh, a composite. And, uh, if I choose to join them together on the verse ecosystem, so to speak, gasless, I can play around with the configurations. And if I find one I like, I can then mint that and that becomes its own NFT. So once it is minted into an NFT, it cannot be joined together and you can mint a single tile as an NFT or a composite that follows the various joining rules. Is that correct? That's spot on. Okay, perfect. So we have the super interesting mechanic and what is, again, utilizing the medium, what's really, really cool is the fact that people can trade these different tiles with each other or collaborate and sort of like, how, how would that work? Like, let's say, you know, me and five friends decide to buy a bunch of these. We have a bunch of these tiles in the ecosystem. Um, can, how, how do we, like, do we send them all to the same wallet or the same account? And then that account can put them together or, you know, have those mechanics been fleshed out? Yeah. So they have to be in the same, uh, verse account, which is effectively a wallet as far as I understand. So, um, yeah. So if, yeah, you can't, um, they can't, yeah, they have to be in the same account. Okay. To turn into a composite. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So, and you can send them for free between different accounts. Just yeah, back and, and forth. To, to convert to a composite is also free. It's no extra charge. Yeah. Right. To to create and, and that's something where you I know you'll be showing us you can add and remove things as you play around with the, the composite. Right. And is there a charge for actually when you finally mint it, whether it's a tile or a composite? Um no. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it's not any detail. I don't think at the moment. Um, I don't think we're going to be charging. I think we're going to eat the gas for turning it into that composite, but. Um, Got it. Got it. I might, Perfect. I might be wrong. <laughs> Perfect. No, and uh, no worries. And before we go into the composites, I wanted to ask you, uh, in terms of the tiles, are there any special tiles here or are they all, uh, sort of, you know, equivalent in let's call it rarity or anything like that? Well, yeah, no, they're not. Them, there's no sort of like piece which um, is indispensable to making the black dragons, but there are certain pieces which are more useful. Um, 
I, I'm not sure I want to disclose which ones. I, I, I kind of this is part of the fun, right? To work out what ones are going to be the the ones you really need to complete the the very difficult to make black dragon composites. Okay, uh, but I should say actually before we, you know, there's two ways you can play. You can you can approach this project. You can not worry about black dragons and rarity, and you can just try to make the most beautiful art you can with the, with the composite builder, which we hope is fun and intuitive and easy to use. Uh, or you can play the rarity game, and you can you know you can try to make these very difficult to make composites following these strict joining rules. So. I'm thinking, you know, it's going to be a split. I'm not sure what the split will be, um, but it's just part of the experiment. You know, it's part of, it's kind of like the open question of the project. What do we care most about? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and I, I know I'm teasing this. We, we'll get to the composite part. Um, what about the individual tiles? Uh, you don't have to reveal which tiles are most useful for making these black dragons. Um, but in terms of the actual visuals and the different patterns and colors that emerge, um, are there any that are more or less like what, what can you tell us about the variety that is going to emerge from these tiles, uh, knowing that there are potentially thousands of them that will be released? Um, can, can I do that by sharing my screen? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, and while you're doing that, I'll let folks know, we'll also link to a, a really great in-depth article that Harvey wrote about, this is it. uh, oh, you, you're going to the article. Okay, perfect. Um, this is a fantastic article where Harvey details this out. We will be explaining what this, uh, article says, uh, but, but please, uh, go ahead. I'd love to hear before we get to the composites, I'd love to hear anything, uh, that's useful to know about the actual tiles themselves. Okay. You know. So there's six aspect ratios. Um, this is a slightly technical note, but they're, they're in the, 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 these numbers, you know, it's like a, you might, might expect a four by four to be square, but the join, these square, these join units aren't square because of the way this all links together, like on a hexagon grid. But so there's six aspect ratio tiles and they all have joining trait. The only traits they have relate to how they join together. And, um, Got so, it. So, so there won't be any metadata for the image, like like well, there will palette be. or anything. No, no palette, no palette information. It's a generative color project, so you know every output is a different color combination. So the only traits are going to relate to the to the to these to the four edges of each tile. And what if you have um, I, these these purple elements here? I call these the dragon bodies, and where they cross. The boundary of the tile is where you've got a join. And um, so here, for instance, there's no dragon body that crosses the bottom of this tile. So there's no, I call this type of edge a closed edge. And you can join any closed edge to any closed edge. But if you join an edge like this with a dragon body intersection, intersecting, it has to, we can see here. The dragon bodies have to be continuous. You see this piece here. Got it. So if I have a tile on the left that has a dragon body on the right side of it, it has to join with a tile that has a dragon body on the left side. Like the yeah, dragon what, body has to yeah. continue across the two pieces. Right. And they can join in these nodes here. You can see there's this uh, way of visualizing the joins just to make it look a bit clearer in, in the composite builder. But 
but but we make that much you know it's it makes it the the composite builder makes it easy because it's just going it's just going to show the the valid tiles that you'll join so all these tiles will join because this purple edge here is what i call an open edge it's it's um whereas this edge oh no this edge is a closed edge and you'll find like and you can join any closed edge to that edge it's a, it's a little bit of a learning curve but once you've played with it for a few minutes you kind of get the the idea but the t the tools tries to make it as easy as possible got it and, and just so i'm getting the nomenclature right the open edges are where the dragon bodies are touching the edge correct but they're not oh sorry yeah yes correct yeah where they where they get truncated where they get cropped by the edge yeah Right. So you have to join two open edges together so that the dragon is contiguous between the tiles. But you, yes, you can, but to, um, you know, if you just have, say, two tiles, if you just have two tiles, you buy two tiles and they don't join, there's still, um, and you don't want to go on secondary and hunt for joining tiles, you can still use spaces, mm -hmm. these blanks, to, um, to, to join the tiles because a blank will join to any edge. Okay. Um, okay. So, so then, uh, essentially any, like if I have two tiles, I could join them together regardless of the image on the tiles. If I put a blank between them. That's correct. Yeah. Or you can join like this, this edge here is an open edge. So I can, I, I, there's a lot more tiles will join to this edge because it's open because there's no dragon body that crosses the edge. So, um, so it's a surprise how much, you know, even with this one tile, you see, if I just own this one tile, I can choose to put a space spacer on it and you'll see that it changes the composition quite a lot. So, um, I can mint it, like I could mint it without a spacer or I can, I can, I can play with the spaces and just, you know, adjust the composition to like, I get it how I like it and then mint it. Hello, everybody. As I mentioned at the top of the show, I'm going to talk through some of the details for Quasi-Dragon Studies. Uh, unfortunately, Harvey couldn't make it for this one, but this is what we had covered originally, and I'll make sure all of the details are in there. As, as I mentioned, a couple things have changed, and that's why I wanted to make sure we go through the updated version so it's most accurate leading up to the Mint. So I'm sharing my screen over here now, and this is going to be in the show notes. This is an article that Harvey wrote and updated on quasi-dragon studies that has everything that you really need to know for it, including a link to the comp composite builder, which we'll get to. So some of this we talked about just a little bit earlier in the episode, but I want to make sure it's rehashed. First off, they are $100 each for these base tiles. So that is the single unit that you will get. Okay, now you can go ahead and you can mint that into an NFT. So it now goes on the Ethereum blockchain, and then you can send it to wherever you want, different wallets, OpenSea, whatever you want to do. Once that base tile is minted as an NFT, it can no longer be combined into a composite. So keep that in mind. However, prior to minting it as an NFT, but after you purchase it on Versus website, you can play around with the composites and make different composites out of it. And this has some of the backstory here on the screen, um, but uh, we'll we'll go into some more details on the composites, some logistics. Again, this launches August 22nd, which is a Tuesday, and it will be open for 500 hours, which comes out to be just slightly under uh, 
three weeks. It's slightly under 21 days. There's a theme of fives going on here in this project, which is really cool to see. Uh, and I'll get to that theme of fives. Now, when the, that's the length of the mint and each one of these tiles, as you can see here on the screen, uh, each one of these tiles is meant to be a standalone NFT. They're supposed to be beautiful and something you could be proud of and put up on a wall by itself alone. However, each of the tiles can be joined in different ways. And you can see here, there are different joining units or areas that a tile can be joined into. So looking at this example, there's a six by four tile here with a joining unit on the top right. And if that meets another tile that has a joining unit on an adjacent tile, then they can be joined together. Now, I know the joining can sound a little bit complicated here, but what's important is that the composite builder, which the Verse team has on their website, it will do this math for you. And in the metadata of each of these tokens, each of these NFTs, it tells you where it can join. So through the metadata or through the composite builder, you can figure out which different, uh, which ones of these can be joined together. And now shown on the screen here, you'll hear us talk about dragon bodies. And so a dragon body, what that really means is that there is a joining edge, right? There's an area that can be joined together. And this graphic here explains that they call it, he's calling it a join map. So open edges are indicated with the purple line. That means joins can be made on any of these edges that are purple. Again, I'll show you this in a second in the composite builder. So this is how you put them together. Now, an important wrinkle in this is that you can build a composite without having two tiles. You can add in blank spaces. You can also add in blank spaces between tiles. So you might have two tiles and make a composite with three in total. So there's a lot of creativity and variety that can go into this, and they all look really cool. As you can see, some of these base tiles, they're very different in color. But on the right-hand side of this image, you notice that the actual composite that came out of it, actually, it looks really, really nice. It came together beautifully. And there's sort of a, a dominant background color that'll take over, especially when you have tiles that sort of look like they might have clashing colors. And you're like, well, how is this all going to work? And I think some really interesting emergent images are going to come out of this, and it'll be a lot of fun to play with. So all the rules are detailed out here, but those are some of the basics here. Now let's take a look at how it actually works. So here's the composite builder. This is on the verse site. You can easily get to it. And let's just go ahead. These are all base tiles. They have different aspect ratios, as we mentioned, uh, but they are all base tiles that can be combined or added to uh, to to blanks. So I chose a tile here, right? And I can just go ahead and preview the composite. Now there's no composite to be previewed here. It's just a single base tile. If you like it, you can save this output and, you know, try to, to, to mint it later. You can also download it as well. You can't mint right now because you must own all the tiles as that message just said there. Okay. So that's just a single mint. Again, once you mint it, you cannot combine it again later. It has to be done before. Okay, so uh, now let's go ahead and just pick another one. And if we, if I click here, I have two options for tiles that can join onto here. I choose a four by four and it shows me whatever tiles are currently in my wallet that I can have access to because this is just to play around. There's only 25 tiles here. Uh, I obviously don't own all 25 of these. So then you can go ahead and add another one. 
And I'm like, okay, well, do I have any other joining edges? I don't think I do. Let's see. Um, we'll add a four by six here. Um, oh, yep, there are a bunch of tiles that can join here. So I'm going to add this pink one because I like that. And I'm going to leave this one blank. So there has to be a blank tile here. So this image can actually be completely rectangular. It wouldn't work with just these three tiles. Um, but I could, if I wanted to add another one, let me add a four by six. And I'm going to leave the rest of these blank. So these blank tiles are free. You don't pay anything for them. And it really adds a lot of variety to the image. So let's take a look at the composite that came together here. Loading. There you go. And you see how there's a dominant background color that emerges from it. So it's really fun. It's meant to be collaborative. And in that way, what Harvey and the Verse team have done is you can swap these tiles for free gasless on the Verse's website. The idea is that maybe you want to make a special combo. You want to trade around for them. So it's supposed to be really, really fun and interactive. Okay. Now let's go to those 50 black dragons and the 50 white dragons. So, and Harvey talks about this in this project. Uh, part of what he's trying to do is say, hey, you can go and be creative and build your own thing, come up with new interesting images that you totally discover on your own. Or if you want to, you can chase rarity. So there are two special sets of dragons, black and white. There are 50 black and five white, completing that theme of five. They are rare hard to build outputs. How do they work? So the first time we get any configuration where there are no joining edges on the outside for any of these different configurations, it will become a black dragon. You don't have to do anything. It'll just automatically become a black dragon in your wallet. So the first person who gets a four by four tile with no joining edges on the outside will get a black dragon. And it becomes increasingly harder beyond these simple tiles. So, you know, there are four by fours here. So you need all of these internal edges to join and none of the uh, external edges to have a possible join. And then even more rare are the white dragons, which because these of these will, each of these white dragons will require an internal piece here that joins with four other pieces. Uh, so, you know, there's a join on on the on every single edge. That's actually quite rare. This one will, will require two of those, as will this one. So very challenging to create the white dragon and the black dragon. I think these will be really highly coveted, and that's how it works. So I wanted to insert this primer. One other note I'll make is the Collector's Corner Premium community had a conversation with Harvey last week on this, where we go into more details. I will link that to the show notes. Check it out as that's sort of an advanced class on this if you want to get more into the weeds of this. And so uh, any other questions you have, please feel free to DM me, DM Harvey. I think you all will really enjoy this project. And thanks for tuning in. We will uh, chat with you next time and good luck. Happy minting. That's super cool. One, one last question for you here um, on, first of all, thank you for explaining this. This I think is going to be incredibly helpful to folks. And this is so cool, man. I mean, this is going to be so much fun to play around with this. Uh, a question for you though, a couple of the black dragon, uh, I think five in total of the black dragons are single tiles, right? So I imagine a few of the early mints could just automatically convert to black dragons, assuming that, well, I, I don't know, how would that work? Would, would the image have to not hit any of the edges then? Right. So some of the tiles don't have any open edges. Got it. So and that's, that's... It's not, they're not that rare. So those first five tiles will go pretty, pretty 
pretty quickly. There's there's a little bit of alpha there. So for anyone who watches right. this, you could gas up and, and try to get a few of those uh, <laughs> early 108 Black Dragons. And, yeah. you know, uh, you don't have to answer this. Or if the answer is no, it's totally fine. Is there anything you have in mind for, you know, whomever become the Black Dragon holders or creators and anything that you've thought of ahead of time for that? Well, other than that, they own this, you know, the, the rarest thing in the collection. I mean, I, I, hopefully that's a reward in itself, but um, will they get something special? Maybe. We'll see. I don't want to promise anything. Okay. No promises. But, yeah, but, but you know, there are other things that, you know, there's a lot of, yeah, there's, there's, there's aspects of this project that could, you know, will, will be revealed later, let's say. <laughs> I love this, man. I'm going to come back to it and say it over and over again. I think this is super innovative. I think this is super cool. You know, I've had this thought in my mind of this is new. This is different. This could be a trendsetter. I think, again, this is, a, a it, honestly, before we even talk, this has clicked in my mind live. This is a new way of utilizing the blockchain as a medium. I, I mean, we're going to see, I'm sure, DAOs come together and try to buy these and try to create their own composites, try to get to their own Black Dragon. It really leans into collaboration and the way that you've described the ability to trade these tiles in a gasless way is uh, something that also makes a ton of sense. Uh, and I gotta imagine people will say, hey, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna, i pay you X amount of ether for these tiles. And actually that's a question, is that is that something on the site where I could swap, uh, like I could literally buy a tile off of somebody prior to it being minted as an NFT? Do you know if that functionality oh, will be there? For sure, yeah. Well, it's a secondary. You mean this, this, this device secondary where you can buy them and swap them or make an offer? Yeah. Right, right. That can be done prior to them being locked in as composites or oh, NFTs. Oh, it's the only way, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I could say, hey, I'm going to send you these three tiles and $500, you send me back that, that super rare tile or the one that I really need to finish my composite right. or something like that. The jigsaw puzzle piece you need, yeah. Got it. So it's not just one for one trades or whatever. It'll be flexible in the way that right, people can right. trade. Yeah. I mean, this is really cool. I mean, you, you're really taking advantage of uh, the fact that it's an NFT, right? That the proof of ownership is on the blockchain and that we're in this networked world where people want to trade with each other. I mean, that's very unique. And I think that it's a first where people are utilizing the medium, not for the artwork itself. We've seen stuff like that. Dynamic art, Terraforms, um, some recent releases from Fingerprints DAO. But it's not the image that changes. It's well, it's the fact that it's composite that makes it unique and different. Right. Uh, so, I think that's that's really really cool, uh, and I'm super excited for it. I'm super excited to see how it plays out, and super excited to play around with it. I might myself try to get one of those uh, su easier black dragons and uh, see see if I can beat the rush to it. Although probably not. I'm, I'm usually not as good as that. Right. Um, Let's let, let's talk. I'd love to talk to you a little bit about why you made some of these decisions and uh, where you could see this going. And we, we're talking about this concept of a, a generative composite. And uh, I'm curious, you know, what what are your hopes with this? What, what do you hope uh, collectors do with it? And you know, what do you hope other artists take away from it when they see this? Right. Well. Yeah, the best case scenario. Well, I see this project as like a proof of concept, right? It's very experimental. I have no idea how it's going to be received. It may be too complex. I don't know. But the basic idea is that 
this for me is just like an extension of pairing, right? So we've seen this trend already. We know that collectors like to, to you know, this is I see this as like blurring the edge, the boundary between artists uh, and collectors. So this gives more creative power to the collector to make something new in the sense that, you know, they're co-creating the piece. So, and the way I, I hope this will go is that this, this is a proof of concept. Maybe there's a few things that need to be ironed out, but you could potentially have more than one algorithm composited together if they're formatted correctly. Or the other interesting idea is you could have multiple algorithms from different artists or you know, they, each tile could be like a different output, right? And you could you could merge them if they're, if they're formatted in the right way. I mean, you can't just feed in any algorithm, you know, any art box algorithm into this and it's not gonna work, but there'll be a certain kind of like protocol that I could outline to say, okay, how, how these actually form together. And then when you bring two artworks together from two different artists, they affect each other. They're not just simply, you know, um, so that, that idea of, yeah, a kind of like blurring that boundary between artist and collector co-creation. That's something that really excites me. And I think this is, I think this is the thing that we, when we look back in 10 years time, yeah, we'll see generative art. Oh, that's kind of exciting, but generative art's been around for a long time, but the really exciting new thing we have here with web three is this community is, is the injection of community and community co-creation. I would say, I think that's, so this. That's what this project's all about. Yeah, I'm 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 nodding my head like a crazy person because I I love this. I I think that this is super innovative and new. And it, you're right. Like Web three is about community. It's not about like computational power. That's kind of the AI side of things that we've been hearing about a lot. This is about how can groups come together and create something that is uh you know greater than the sum of its parts, as you were saying before. And this at a meta level represents that. And, you know, one thing that I think you're really unlocking here with the, the Black Dragon concept is that it, it could be that if you have two artists that have two pieces that join together, so to speak, they don't, th those pieces don't even necessarily have to visually be the same. The idea could be, hey, if, if you have a, a Harvey Rayner and a, I don't know, a William Upon piece that come together, you get something that's completely new. Uh, right. Yeah. And it doesn't have to look like those two that came together. That That's one level. On another level, there is this idea of a literally, you know, we talk about design languages, design systems. That's more commonplace as the tech world evolves. But what about generative art languages? Maybe you literally create a, a protocol that has some rules that allow for flexibility in the aesthetics and the visuals, but also have some of a, a, a rule set that joins together and can create new pieces that are visually contiguous in some way, right? They don't have to be pure. I mean, there's all sorts of possibilities here that could emerge from the way these connections happen. Um, we're seeing a lot of experiments, like we've seen 6529, the memes, where, uh, you know, there'll be different seasons of these memes released and different artists can come into play. If you create a system that is flexible enough to still allow for creativity, uh, you you can actually get artists to who have no intention of being a part of the system to later then join it. And, you know they don't. It doesn't have to be all decided up front. You create the system, and whoever wants to come and participate can participate. And we've actually seen a few experiments like this uh, so far, 
one that comes to mind is Universal Ray Hatcher uh, by Peter Pasma over on, on FX Hash. So um, not to belabor the point, I just think that this is really exciting because it, it opens up possibilities for art and art systems that can transcend time and don't need to be decided ahead of time. It, it kind of breaks this idea of, you know, you, the artist, have to decide everything and then you launch and then it's done and nothing mm -hmm. changes. Uh, well, that doesn't have to be the case anymore with, with code-based generative art. And I, I really think that this is going to uh, open up a lot of creativity and possibilities for folks, uh, both collectors and creators. Uh, and, you know, from the collector standpoint, I think this really, really incentivizes collaboration. I mean, um, I, haven't, I haven't run the numbers. Maybe you could tell us, like, what, how many mints do you think might need to be possible in order to get to all the 108 Black Dragon configurations? I guess I think it's going to be somewhere between, I think, minimum of like five and 10,000, I think. Five and 10,000. Um, I think. I don't know. It's really hard to know. Depends on how, if people like grab certain keep, like, a, like the tile with the four open sides, if they just hold it. <laughs> It might be that last piece, you know. It might be that last piece. That, so, but everything in this project, I want, I want it to be an unknown, and I want it to be a genuine experiment. Otherwise, we don't learn, you know, we don't learn anything. So, um, I like that fact that we don't really know how many pieces it's gonna require. Yeah, um, that... and you know, and that was the idea of making the price point accessible. I did, it's an experimental project, so I didn't want to take a huge risk and do something that maybe wasn't well received and people lose money. So it's like, you know, the cost entry is low. Um, and we still also have, you know, the, in the structure, I'm still thinking, okay, we still have a lot of people who can own single tiles, maybe double composites and stuff, at, you know, at a low price, but we still have this way at the top. We still have these very bespoke pieces, which will, which will, hopefully have a higher value <laughs> and, and satisfy the collector who, you know, wants those, you know, there's more kind of iconic pieces in the, in the, in the series. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is still generative art. We'll see some really interesting stuff emerge. I mean, who's to say that there won't be a, a goose ringer equivalent that is not a black dragon, right? It's just another right. composite where it's hard to predict those things, you know? Yeah, and and I wanted to ask you on that point. What was it like creating an algorithm that could be, you know, potentially tens of thousands uh, of pieces? Uh, you know, was that a challenge for you, given that most of the generative art we create these days are meant to be, you know, a thousand pieces or less? Um. Yeah. I, this this algorithm was a challenge for many reasons. This project was a challenge for many reasons, but it wasn't so much creating an algorithm that had the 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 variety because that's you know the visual language of this project is is fairly constrained because of the geometry you know it's very distinctive um yeah it was just te it, it was the technical challenges were more around just making this r rather than just like importing a bunch of like path data i drew <laughs> it, it it's all sort of like produced with just trigonometry and like like code and and that, that, then that gives you a lot more flexibility what you can do with the little elements, you know. So that was technically just um, mind, you know, just I wanted to swear then, but like mind like, bending. 
yeah, and mind-blending, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, it was just really difficult technically compared to, say, making something like Fontana or Vellum, which, you know, the algorithm is much more organic, um, the way it's sort of structured. This was just very technically difficult to put together. And then the other technical problem with it, like just building the composite builder was, was fine. I like, I love building UIs and stuff, but like the time constraints, because we chose to drop this in July and decided we were going to go ahead in like in March, three months window was not enough time. <laughs> so I've been working like 80 hour weeks for the last three months, just trying to get this done. Um, I think ideally it could, it, I could have spent a year developing this <laughs> and enjoyed it more, but like, but you know, sometimes it's good to be, have a deadline because then you just iterate through more ideas. Some of them, you know, you, I could have spent a year on this project and maybe Maybe it just wasn't worth a year at the end just because it just it wasn't well received. You just don't know. So um, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I'm glad you got it done. Super excited for it. And uh, another point I wanted to touch on here is, uh, you know, you're you're going to be releasing a a large supply here, you know, as people chase making these black dragons and you know even enjoy the individual mints here and another thing that you've done recently is started your own discord and i know you've been really active in there chatting with the community uh, both of these moves i think having a low cost large supply collection and opening up a discord are, are leading into the idea of community formation allowing more collectors to work with your art you know how how has that been for you and uh, what what do you hope for in terms of, you know, really, I guess, uh, getting more collectors to have a Harvey Rayner piece and experience that? Um, the Discord, the Discord has been great, by the way. You know, like people, there's, there's some smart folks on there, and the, it's been really, especially when I first opened it, like the the, the conversation around the supply mechanism was really fascinating. Um, I personally really like. I've always shared my work in progress, as of as I'm work, you know, like, and I, I think again that's part of this idea of community co-creation. I have this idea of a decentralized artist where where you know it's like this huge feedback loop where is where I'm sharing stuff with the community and that's feeding back into the work. I think that's something that can only you know I can only do that more and more. Um, I mean, in a sense, you know, I've I've lived the opposite life as well. I've worked in complete solitude for 25 years and didn't really, though I enjoyed it and I made art I'm proud of, it, it didn't get the work out into the world. So this for me is kind of like, I think, you know, it's a personal growth thing as well, learning to work with other people and then actually maybe taking that to an extreme and really working with a community to build projects and get them as deeply involved as I can and share as much about my life and my process as I can, which is something I want to focus on next year. I've got a, a guy I'm working with who's going to like document basically my whole process and share it, you know, every other week on YouTube. Warts and all, <laughs> me throwing tantrums when things don't go right. And it's just to invite people into the actual, into the workings of like a complex, ambitious project. And what I'm doing next year is actually going to be a, a generative sculpture project, which could, there's a natural three-dimensional extension of this project, Quasi Dragons, which, so it might form the basis of that. But um, 
Um, yeah, maybe I didn't answer your question, but no, um, uh, I, I think yeah, it, I guess it was. Yeah, it was kind of so more about yeah. I think this this is something we're just scratching the surface of of the power of these networks like like the internet. Um, I think crowdsourcing information has a place and is incredibly valuable. Uh, one anecdote I'll give: uh, There's a movie called The Martian. Have you seen it? It's got like Matt Damon and uh, a few other kind of like A-list celebrities. Interesting uh, Mars attack. <laughs> no, not not quite Mars attacks. But no. what, what what's really interesting is it was based on a book. And the right. book was somewhat crowdsourced. So the author would write a chapter, put it online, get mm. feedback. I don't know if it was on Reddit or his own blog or something like that. And it ended up being very scientifically accurate. The premise is a, a guy gets left on Mars accidentally by his crew. They think he's dead and they leave him on Mars and he has to survive for like two years until they can come back and get him. And he essentially crowdsourced the science of how this in theory could happen. Mm. And it, probably made a much better product uh, story in this case than otherwise. And I think that there's something to that. It's one of the things that I'm most interested in about in Web3 is how do we utilize the wisdom of the crowd, which is at times better than an individual and at times worse. It's not a you know end all be all. Uh, and I, again, I commend you for leaning into that because I think that this is something that um, will we'll probably continue to happen more and more as, as artists and creators of all sorts figure out where, you know, which elements of what you do could be crowdsourced. Um, the, the guy didn't crowdsource everything, mind you, right? He, he came up with the first draft and the general concepts and the ideas, but crowdsourced a lot of the science behind it in, in that movie. Right. No, totally. Um, so just, to me, it seems like the obvious thing to do. If you want to make, if, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm committed to innovating and, doing something that's not been done before, then I have to take that route. And, and I want to, I mean, it's just been a lot of fun, you know, I've always, I, I, the interactions I've had with the community have been great. So, I mean, I wish I could spend more time interacting, but I just, <laughs> there's so much workload with this project. I don't get quite as much time as I, as I'd like to on, on the discord, but you know. Well, and I, I'm sure it'll be intermittent times now that this is almost across the finish line here. Uh, you hopefully have a breather, get to perhaps uh, lean into the community side a little bit more and then uh, start working on the next thing. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for sharing all this with us, Harvey. Uh, any last words for the listeners for either Quasi Dragon Studies or Cove uh, uh, Cove Heath. Cove Heath. Sorry. Not, yeah. Glad it's not just me who's losing the tongue. Um, yeah. Um, well. I hope, I mean, I just, I mean, like the same thing, I hope people enjoy it and see some value. In it. I don't, I don't know, really. It's, um, I, yeah, people can always contact me, like, on, on my Discord. Please join my Discord. You know, I try to, I, I always answer my questions. Like, if you DM me on Twitter or whatever, I always respond. It might take me a few hours, but I'm usually pretty prompt. Um, and the more community engagement I get, the better. So, um, perfect. We'll, we'll send folks your way. We'll give them feedback. And uh, last question is, uh, what's what's next for you? If if there's anything you can reveal, there is something. That, there's something cooking. So, I mean, I'm work. You know, part of the workload. Is, I've got another project simultaneous to this, um, which I'm more delegating. You know, I'm taking more of it, but I will be making the artwork for it. But I can't. I can't reveal where that will be shown. But it's again, it's a very experimental project. It's kind of community-based, 
Um, but the, yeah, you'll see that in the next, this year. Um, and then, like I said, the next year, I'm going to actually take a year to build something very ambitious, um, which is going to have a, a, a fabricated uh, sculpture component. And that requires me even building a purpose-built studio for it. So it's like, it's a pretty ambitious project. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well, can't wait to hear more about that one. Uh, if if that's a year-long ambition and Quasi-Dragons was a three-month-long ambition, then uh, can't cannot wait to see what that looks like. But really excited for this, Harvey. Really excited for the experimentation you're doing here. I think it's going to be amazing. I can't wait to hear the feedback from this episode and also to hear what people think about quasi-dragon studies. I, I think it's going to be brilliant. And so I commend you on the, you know, taking the risk on thinking through this, on bringing us something new. And I, yeah, just can't say enough. I think it's going to be really cool and, and really appreciate everything you're doing for the space. Thank you. I, I will just say, actually, I mean, I will like I can take the risk because I've had success in the past. I mean, Valen right here right, has enabled me to take these risks because you know financially I'm I'm good for a few for a good few years, you know, and I so I could take I can make projects where I'm not 100 percent sure what the outcome will be and and be that much more experimental. Um, so it's I feel very grateful to you know my you know my my previous my, my Fontana collectors and Valen collectors and. Absolutely. They enable me to do what I want to do, which is to experiment and innovate. Absolutely. And and look, like we were saying earlier, I think you have to, um, for the artists listening out here who, who are not in that position yet, uh, you, you've also put in a lot of time. Uh, you, you really prioritize your art throughout your life. Uh, and, and now it's really manifesting. So I think uh, for folks who are on the journey, maybe listening or trying to figure out when they can get to that point, uh, just keep going. It, it, it'll happen eventually. I yeah. think that's a, a clear message from your life and, and what you're doing now. So again, uh, commend you for all the work. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me about it and to share this. And, uh, you know, until next time, we will, uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk soon. And for everybody listening, uh, make sure to check it out. Everything will be in the show notes. I really appreciate you all. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for having me on, P. It's been a pleasure. Of course. Anytime. Thank you for tuning into Collector's Corner. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen. If you like this episode and want to help us out, please subscribe and leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice like Apple Podcasts and Spotify and follow us on YouTube. Please also follow us on Twitter for announcements as we expand to other social and content platforms. Our Twitter handle is at collectors underscore XYZ. We'd also love to hear any feedback you have. So please comment or reach out. We're always striving to be more useful and get better so we can help you in your collecting journey. The Collector's Corner team and their guests are not registered investment advisors. All views expressed on this podcast are personal opinions and are not specific inducements to make particular investments or investment strategies and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. This show is solely for informational and entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, please consult a professional.